Yes, hello. It's me, Aiden Jones, and you're listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday, the 10th of March, 2020. Yes! Oh, that was the first one of the... I Look, I know I keep talking about how I don't get 2020, but I feel like I really fucking stuck the landing on that one, all right? Straight through, no bumps, no little hums and haws, just boom, the fucking date, man. That's what this podcast is all about. It's about me saying what the date is. That's it. Um, that's, I think that's like a, is that what a chimera is? Fuck. What a huge word to start the fucking pod off this week. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, Google. What is a chimera? No, not an HR mirror, you fucking piece of shit. Okay, Google. What is a chimera? No, I don't even know if I'm saying it right. Okay, Google. What is a chimera? <laughs> no. Oh, yes. In Greek mythology, a fire-breathing female monster with a lion's head, a goat's body, and a serpent's tail. Okay. Oh, the second definition is a thing which is hoped for but is illusory or impossible to achieve. So that's not what I was trying to use it for at all. Kim, I don't even know how to say it. Even though I just said it and it came up right at autocorrected, so I still am not sure how to say it. I thought it was like an omen, you know? Um, I guess what it means is like something that's hoped for but impossible to achieve. Like a stat, like, like Nirvana. Like a, maybe that is what I'm, maybe that is this podcast. Maybe the perfect announcing of the date and time or whatever that I do at the start, maybe that is something that's really impossible to achieve at the end of it, you know? Oh, God, we're on these fucking bars now. Okay, I've done two minutes, 60, yes. Half of the thing is seconds. I've done 120, just double it. Double it, Aiden. That's how many seconds. All right, anyway. Oh, how the fuck are you guys, huh? I've just had... Uh, four pieces or two rounds of toast, as I used to call them in high school. Uh, three bits of Vegemite, one bit of peanut butter, and another piece of bread with butter and peanut butter. <laughs> I have immediately eroded all fucking positive feelings for the day that I felt when I got up. <laughs> just, I just ate five slices of bread and a fucking a bunch of butter. And spreads and shit. What a nightmarish way to wake up. And mum's bought me a bunch of fruit and granola and shit to eat while I'm staying with her for breakfast. And I'm still like, I'm going to eat five slices of bread. Thank you. Anyway, I've got my tea here. I'm actually feeling real good, to be honest. I had a bit of a moment last night. Oh, my word, man. Because I've just been a WOMAD for the last two days, which is fantastic. I'll talk about it in a bit. But the thing about WOMAD, World of Music and Dancing Festival in Adelaide, is um, so it's a music festival in the city and it's real dusty and it's hippie vibes and everyone's rolling around with no shoes and that whole fucking thing. And there's dust everywhere. Like It's a music festival in the parklands. And it's over four days. So there's dust everywhere. And um, the dust gets in your throat and makes your throat all scratchy. And when I got home on Sunday night and went to bed, I woke up in the middle of the night with like a sore throat. And I immediately was just like, oh, I've got coronavirus. That's what's happened now. Um, and, it, you know, it's fucking... <laughs> 
I, I was thinking before about this whole coronavirus thing and how it's all on the news and everything. And um, I read an article a few months ago about um, someone comparing the Trump impeachment to the Nixon impeachment years ago and how all these political junkies... And the person writing the article was one of the, like a political junkie type person. And they said uh, when they were following the Nixon impeachment, it's like a car crash in slow motion, but you're so excited every day to read the latest news and thing about it, you know? And it's such an awful thing that's happening, but it's also so exciting. You really get caught up in the theatre of the whole thing and of the news story itself. And I don't find that for politics. I fucking, I, you know, it's boring as hell. But tragedies, man, I don't know. I... Um, Maybe it's like the the emotion. Maybe I uh, I like seeing these stories play out. I would like to say that I'm worried about people, and I guess I am. With the bushfires, definitely, I was really concerned. But with coronavirus, I I don't feel that concerned actually. But I still I'm just so I'm ravenous for news about this thing that's unfolding man it's crazy it's worldwide there's only 110,000 cases it's not very many at all but um it's fucking got people in grips of fear hasn't it more so than the bushfire the bushfires we were just very sympathetic and we all felt sad and there was smoke coming in over the city and it made people sad and scared but it didn't have people really scared like, it's just, it was oppressive, and it was kind of maddening. I remember, if you've been listening to the podcast, you remember how fucking crazy I was going. But this coronavirus seems like a much more existential threat, doesn't it? Like, it's really about... People are treating it as life or death, these fucking psychos going around fighting each other in supermarkets with the toilet paper, and oh my god, I mean, that's great shit. But, um... Yeah, I don't feel that worried. I I actually was more upset by the bushfires. This is just every uh, every free moment I get, man. I'm on the Guardian. I'm on Al Jazeera news. That's what I've done. Is I've 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 read everything about the coronavirus on the Guardian. So I'm going to Al Jazeera now as my backup overflow news network to try and get more fucking details. Because it's exciting to see it progress. Maybe it says something about how detached I am from it that as the numbers go up, I'm like, I don't know. I, I really don't feel attached to um, the humanity of the situation. Like no one that I know has been affected yet, touch wood. Um, and because no one I know has been affected, it's still very remote. Whereas with, with the bushfires, it was like people that I knew were severely affected and people's you know families losing homes and blah 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 blah. with this it's just like i don't know yeah i I, i'm really struggling to care i don't even feel like i should care i don't even feel bad for not caring (laughs) and that's no good either is it but um yeah i i just fuck what was i even talking about oh yeah so i was but no i was scared that i got coronavirus that's it I was, um, I woke up with a sore throat and it felt like the beginnings of a cold and I was just like, uh, well, that's it. That's it for me. Like I always started doing calculations in my head. Like, well, how, how long is it acceptable for me to put off like telling authority? Do I tell authorities? Do I call the police? (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, I wonder how many calls the police are getting. It's like triple zero. Excuse me, I think I have the coronavirus. <laughs> Send help. <laughs> These fucking idiots, man. These people that are just panicking, buying toilet paper. Like, why are you buying toilet paper? What does that even mean to you? Like, I read an article in The Guardian that was very well written because it was written from the point of, like, clearly it were two behavioural scientists just at their wits end about these people buying toilet paper going, how can we tell them that it's useless but we understand the reasons why they're doing it in a behavioural sense. And so they wrote the article that was like, even we as behavioural scientists have fallen for the you know, the panic or whatever, basically going, you know, when you, you know, when you try and tell someone a mistake that they've made and you go, oh man, I've, as a way of cushioning the blow for them and, and making sure that their ego doesn't get in the way of hearing what you're trying to tell them, you go, oh yeah, man, I've, I've done this same thing so many times, you know, it's crazy. I think that was what these behavioral scientists who wrote the article were doing. They were going, even we as behavioral scientists have blah, 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 blah. And, and then they proceeded to say the reasons why. And the main reason was that buying toilet paper, this threat of the coronavirus is, is such an abstract thing that exists in a way that no one really has any control over it. No individual, anyway. The best you can do is to isolate yourself and no one wants to do that. So people go, well, I'm going to be in quarantine. What am I going to need? Supplies? Toilet paper. I'm going to need toilet paper. And it just makes sense to people. And that's why they're going out and buying it. And and these behavioral scientists wrote this article that was like, oh, we've done it. But then, you know, no way did they actually go out and buy fucking toilet paper. No, they didn't do that. Because the people who are doing that are fucking idiots. If you have gone out and stockpiled toilet paper, you are a fucking moron. I traveled in fucking South America for four months and you have to buy toilet paper at every public toilet there. And sometimes I just used pages out of my fucking notebook, man. How fucking hard is it? Wipe your ass on a fucking leaf. You don't need to go. Like, that's going to be the least of your worries. If you need toilet paper, then your life has gone pretty good. Then you've already had enough food to produce shit. Oh, man. There's, you can't really start to attack, logically, the fucking idiocy of these fucking people fighting in the shops over toilet paper how fucking have a word with yourself man but um yeah I, I started thinking about when I thought I'd gotten it I was like okay well 14 days quarantined at mum's house in Adelaide I'm gonna have to cancel the rest of my Adelaide shows and you know I started to accept it I was like there's a worse place to be quarantined Got the piano, got a bunch of books, probably get Uber Eats. Probably everyone in Thebiton will have coronavirus before long and it's just what it is. Better to get it early, I started thinking. Better to get it early in the outbreak now and be immunised against it for later when it possibly mutates into something much worse and, and, and intense, you know. Better to get it out of the way. And it uh, turns out I didn't have coronavirus I just had fucking dust in my sinuses and that's what I have today as well as I woke up and I was like mum goes oh dust sore throat and I was like oh fuck thank god yes 
Thank you. And you know what? Maybe I do have coronavirus. Maybe I'm scared. I got a little blocked nose now. Maybe I've fucking got it and I'm, you know. Maybe I'm in denial. I just, I don't fucking. If I got it, I'm flying back to Adelaide on Sunday. I reckon another week is, is long enough to know what's going on here. But like, I mean, what? I've got a blocked nose right now. I'm doing my gig tonight. For sure I'm doing my gig tonight. A friend of mine was talking about not going to the Edinburgh Fringe to cancel his Edinburgh Fringe run because of coronavirus. And I mean, first of all, it's in fucking August, dude. And secondly, I really feel like if you're basing decisions in your life just off of fear that things aren't going to work out, like the reason that he decided... Uh, he's, he's been telling me he's decided to, he hasn't decided yet. He's deciding in the next few days, whether he's going to cancel his run or not. And his reasoning was that he's not sure if there's going to be that many people at the Edinburgh Fringe this year and he needs to make money and he can't afford to do it if he's not, you know, making money. And, uh, Basically, just fear that the financials of it aren't going to work out for him. And I really fucking think, man, if you're making decisions in your life based on a fear that if you do the thing you want, if you're not doing the thing you want to do based on the fear that if you do it, it's not going to work out, you're really fucking setting yourself up for failure, man. If you're not going to the Edinburgh Fringe, keeping in mind the reason you go isn't to make money. The reason you go is to fucking perform comedy at the biggest arts festival in the world, you fucking idiot. And if you're not going because of, oh, I don't know financially if it's going to work out, well, fucking then good, quit, cunt. You're not in it. You're not doing it for the right reasons. Or fucking don't go this year, get a full-time job and pay off your fucking debt so that you're not constrained financially by this thing. Take a fucking hit and then just be in a position where you can put your creative foot forward first rather than worrying about fucking money all the time is what I want to say to that dude, but it seems too mean to say it to him, because I, you know, I fucking care about his feelings and shit, you can't scream that at someone's face, but you can scream it in a microphone, and then later on today, go, hey man, I was talking about you on my podcast today, maybe you should give it a listen, <laughs> wouldn't that be, that, maybe that's how I promote this podcast, outside of the 54 of you, which by the way, thank you for listening to the 54 people who listen to my podcast on a regular basis, <laughs> wouldn't that be a, a great way to promote the podcast, just start saying things directly to specific people in my life that I'm scared to say to their faces and then going, Oi, man, I was talking about you on my podcast this week. <laughs> if you want to know what I really think about you, then, <laughs> then fucking give it a listen. <laughs> oh, God. But, I mean, also with, no, with a person... The thing about this is not the person that I'm talking to doesn't have really the right of reply, so they don't have the chance to change my train of thought. You know, mid mid train of thought, they don't have the chance to go. Well, actually, dude, here's a, the valid reasons why I'm acting the way that I'm acting, and I just get to go off and go. This is what I think ideologically, without any incursions from the practical world. Fuck, 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 fuck. By the way. 
if you're listening to this for the first time, I've written in huge capital letters here, plug Instagram. Follow my Instagram for the podcast at Sitting Under Podcast or my personal Instagram, Aiden Jones Comedian, Aiden Jones Comedy. Yeah. I don't know really how important that stuff is, but I mean, I like the images that I do for the pod every week. I think they're cool. I think if you uh, like the pod, you'll probably fuck with those images. Did I take any pictures yesterday? Not sure. I was on, um, I was at Walmart yesterday, but I, uh, I did the whole day yesterday without my phone. The whole day? Was it the whole day? I did a lot of the day yesterday without, oh, I mean, I've got a great picture of my homeboy, Phil. Maybe I'll fucking put that as the, yeah, that's a cool image. I'll have some sort of images from myself. Oh, no, I'll put a picture of me under the Glandor sign, whatever, I don't know, I'm gonna have a picture of me. Yeah, I like the images that I do, um, but I spent all of the day yesterday without my phone. I went to Walmart on Sunday, and it was good, but I felt like the whole day I was very distracted by my phone, and I also had to leave in the middle of the day to go do a gig at 7.15, so I didn't get the whole uninterrupted day. But I just felt like, I mean, every time I was um, not really doing anything, I would just get my phone out and start reading about the coronavirus again. And it's like, I, I don't really care about the coronavirus. It's just, it's just something to read and be up to date with. And it's a talking point when someone looks at me and I'm on my phone, I can just go, oh, another 20 people have died in Northern Italy from the coronavirus. And they go, oh, and it validates me having been on my phone, you know. I think that's it, right? The only reason I'm checking my phone is because I'm uncomfortable sitting with myself by myself around people. I'm comfortable... Man, my mate Ruby yesterday was saying she thinks it's um, so cool that I'm able to go off by myself and spend time by myself. And uh, I've been thinking about that because I don't think that it's really a comfortability thing. I think it's just maybe different people are comfortable in different situations because the re- I'm I'm comfortable by myself not doing anything and sitting with my thoughts when I'm by myself because I'm not worried about what other people are thinking of me. But when I'm around people, I think I get quite uncomfortable because I'm not sitting with my thoughts. I'm sitting with other people's thoughts. I'm sitting and and kind of having to be comfortable... I, I all I can think about when I'm around other people and I'm not engaged in any conversation or whatever is like oh, I hope I'm not being weird right now, you know. I hope uh, everyone's thinking. I hope no one's no one's thinking like who's this guy? What's he doing? What's he about? So I'm just trying to act normal or I'm just trying to be comfortable in my own thoughts when I'm around people. When I'm by myself, it's fine, man. Like no one cares. No one's looking at me. As soon as I'm in a situation, that's when it gets fucking hairy. And, um, yeah, when I was at Walmart on, on Sunday, it was kind of like that. I was just like, oh, I'm having an okay time, but it's not... I never really felt 100% comfortable. And I thought what I should do then is stop, have, like, not give myself that release valve that the phone is. Because the phone, for me, is just a way to release the pressure but I should be sitting with that pressure and 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 kind of dealing with it to figure out how to be comfortable around people so I decided yesterday I'm going to go to WOMAD for the whole day and just not have my phone and if I lose people I'll lose people and whatever and um 
I ended up taking my phone because I'm a coward. I'm think maybe this is a thing that I want to try and do. Maybe this is like a new project for me. I've quit drinking. I've quit smoking. Maybe after I get over the coronavirus, then I'll, um, <laughs> I really am scared that I'm, no, I'm not actually scared that I have it, but I do have a blocked nose right now and that's annoying. Um, eh, I mean, to be fair, if I was going to get it, like, I mean, a world music festival, you know, they talk about people traveling from all around the world, hotspots and shit. Surely some of the people in that festival have been in infected areas. Maybe I do have it. There were people at the festival going to the urinals with no shoes on. Like, grown men who didn't even look that different to me. Not, like, disgusting hippie people. Really just, like, grown adult males walking around and going to toilets with no shoes on. Fucking bizarre. I guess I've done that. I guess I'll go to the toilet on an airplane without my shoes on. Is that the same thing? Maybe. And it's not even that bad. It's just like, uh, it's how do you live with yourself, you know, mentally after doing that? Knowing how, it's a festival toilet. It's literally one of the dirtiest places in the world. And, um, and you're fucking going in there with no shoes on and pissing and the thing and, Definitely get it, you know, and then washing your hands, the irony, and then leaving and washing your hands, but not washing your feet. Do you know what I mean? Like, I guess your hands touch your face, but fuck, dude. If you're at that point, if you're going in there with no shoes on, you don't, washing your hands is a waste of fucking water. I've been thinking about that as well. All this washing hands shit, wash your hands for the length of the chorus of happy, or sing happy birthday and wash your hands. We're in drought. We just came from the fucking bushfires where we were running out of water because it was so dry and all the country was burning. And now they're like, hey, wash your hands for 30 seconds in clean drinking water and just wash that water down the fucking drain. I mean, we're really plugging holes in the dam with our fingers at this point, aren't we? There's just so many things happening. All this conflicting advice. Like, you're not supposed to take long showers, but you're supposed to wash your hands for 30 seconds. Like, eight times a day, or whatever. Maybe I'll just stop taking showers, and I'll just wash my hands, and I'll have the cleanest hands, and the dirtiest dick. And then... <laughs> I don't fucking know. Ah, oh, whatever. Anyway, yeah, I didn't, like, I didn't last the whole day without my phone at Walmart. I took my phone at the end of it, because I just... I, honestly, honestly, the reason I took my phone to Walmart... Is because I woke up in the middle of the night on Sunday night, Monday morning at like 4am and I stressed out for like an hour thinking that I had coronavirus and, and that was enough for me to be like, you know what, now's not the time, mate. <laughs> now is not the time to be, to be <laughs> trying to fucking break some new ground emotionally and, and, and mentally with, like, freeing yourself from your phone. You might have coronavirus. Take your phone, okay? You need all levels of backup ready. <laughs> That's genuinely the excuse I gave myself for why I'm not committing to this whole no phone thing yesterday was because I thought I might have coronavirus. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, I took it. And uh, and then, but then when we got to the festival, as soon as I walked in the gate, I turned it off. And that would have been at about two. And I had it off for like five hours, I reckon, which is pretty good. And then I turned it back on again and caught up with my life, you know. I, don't, I just, yeah, it did feel nice to not have the phone on. And I don't know, weirdly, actually, I did start having a better time once I turned it on. Like, um, I was having not a bad time, but I just felt kind of detached when I didn't have my phone on. I went and hung out by myself for a bit. I did some writing. I went and saw a thing. I did some reading. But I felt like I was lacking in energy or like I just I just didn't feel that connected to my friends. And maybe it was just that it was in the day. Maybe we're all... Yeah, there's a bunch of different variables that it could have contributed to that feeling of malaise that I was feeling. But once I turned it on and then I... Uh, uh, the sunset, I got dinner and the sunset and then I um, went met up with some friends and we watched... Uh, Oisima, who was great, who's a bit of an old mate, not really a good mate of mine, but a dude who I knew from back in the day in Adelaide, watched him kill a fucking set with his live band, that was sick, and I started to feel a bit more connected to people, and then I went and saw Sleaford Mods, which I had listened to some of with my mum, and just wasn't really, I was like, this is fine, What I don't even know what kind of music that is. Just the beats, oh, that was so fucking funny, man. I don't know if, if you've heard, I don't know if people have heard of Sleaford Mods, but they're like, just these driving like, that's the whole music, right? That kind of beat, just driving forever. Not really much, like, difference in it the whole way through. And then it's just this guy just doing like a very British style spoken word shouting about vaguely political or, you know. And then the government said to me that you are a porcupine. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm a man. And they said, no, you're not. You're a porcupine. And I said, fuck you in the bottom. That's my impression of Sleaford Mods with dun 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 That's the music, right? You can see how that might get tiresome pretty quickly. Um, but fuck, man! After a while, it became hypnotic, and it was a level where I could kind of talk to people around me. And also, I bumped into none other than Nicky Pontakinas. A fucking dude that I went to primary school with who I haven't seen in like close to 20 years, man. I didn't see him a single time since primary school. He was in the crowd, so I saw him and um, was just chatting to him about fucking school and, and, you know, life and fuck the last 20 years, you know. Um, and the whole time the Sleeper Mods were playing and there was the two guys. There was one guy doing the the shouting parts and then there was a guy who literally just had a laptop on a plinth and a beer in his hand and at the start of every song he would walk up and just press like next track on the laptop and then he would stand like a metre or two back from the laptop, laptop on the stage with his beer 
and just like mouth some of the words and just kind of groove. Really not like, kind of like a hype man, but not doing anything. Fuck, he was the most fascinating part of the performance. Because it was the guy doing all the lyrics and his fucking poetry and whatever, and that was fine. I didn't really care about any of it, actually. And uh, and then there's just this guy to the left, just standing there chilling, taking a sip of beer every now and then. But maybe he was part of the performance. Like, we started thinking, we started making jokes about, oh, he's just watching porn on his laptop, you know? And then we started going like, well, maybe it's like a parody of DJs, you know? Like, at least he's being honest. Like, fucking Calvin Harris or whoever, just, they're like, dun, 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 boom, 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 And it's like, they just press fucking two buttons to make the beat drop, and that's it. They're not making that music there live, but they're doing all this shit with their hands or whatever to make it look like they're so involved in the process. This guy just walks up to his laptop, presses a button, and then stands back and just stands there and like, yeah, fuck yeah. I'm fucking part of this entertainment. And it just, I liked it. It seemed way more honest than any of those fucking cunty DJs. Oh, the number of fucking videos I've seen on Instagram of, of DJs and, you know, they're like, man, this is what's possible at our shows. We love our audiences so much. And it's two dudes behind a sea of audio equipment and they're like, one of them's wearing a fucking robot head, you know, and one of them's got like lasers coming out of his ears and they're like, and they push buttons and then they both just stand there with their arms out like, yes, we are gods and everyone's losing their shit. And it's like, you guys didn't fucking do anything, man. This guy from Sleaford Mods knows that he's not doing anything, knows that everyone else knows that he's not doing anything and embraces not doing anything. And I fucking loved it. And uh, all the beats were almost exactly the same for the whole fucking like 50 to 60 minute performance. And the guy singing his fucking poems, was, <laughs> they were all exactly the same. Just like, at the end of every song, he would just be, he would like land on some, you know, point that he'd made or thing that he'd said. Fuck, uh, what kind of shit was he said? Just like, fuck the ice caps, fuck the ice caps, fuck the ice caps, fuck the ice caps, yeah! And and he'd be like spitting everywhere when he spoke. And at the start, we were all like, what is this? And then after a while, we were like, I'm kind of getting into it. At one point I said, what is that guy thinking about? I was pointing to the guy with the laptop. I was like, what is he thinking about? All set. And this guy just turned around who I didn't know and just went, bro, that is a slippery slope, man. (laughs) That was fucking awesome. What is he thinking about, dude? Just hold up there, brother. I reckon we don't want to go too far into it. <laughs> I reckon these... Apparently, these guys have been touring for like 15 years. I mean... It's like... What's he been thinking about for 15 years? Standing there on stage next to his mate. People were... Phil was saying, like, I reckon it's just his best mate that he brings along. And I'm like, no, dude, I don't think the poetry guy 
is any more or less important than the laptop guy. Without the laptop guy, poetry guy is nothing. Look up Sleaford Mods on YouTube and find a live performance of theirs and see what I'm fucking talking about, man, because it is garbage in the most beautiful sense of the world. I, I, it was hypnotic over an hour. By their last track, we started moshing, man. Some lady was like, what? Calm down, calm down. We were like fucking jumping anywhere a bit. I like was pushing people. Pushing my mates. Just having a good time with my mates. Some old lady can't fucking handle Sleaford Mods. This is art, lady. Art is bigger than your superficial physical boundaries, all right? Art is bigger than your imagined need to not get hurt by 30-year-old excited men. <laughs> I'm sorry for bumping in here. Anyway, fuck, I reckon that's the pod for this week. I hope I don't have coronavirus. I hope you don't have coronavirus. I hope no one you knows. No one you knows has coronaviruses. Um, and if you do, hey, you're going to be fine, I reckon. There's what, How many people have died so far? Didn't Donald Trump say that like three people have died so far and only like five people have got it in the world? So if the leader of the free world has expressed such a strong opinion on matters, I don't think we are anyone to question him. Thank you guys for listening so much. Your song you're about to listen to is Billy Bragg. Waiting for the great leap forward that I've been absolutely loving this week. It's a beautiful, inspiring sound. I could play some Sleaford Mods right now, but I feel like this is more my vibe at the moment. Thanks for listening. This has been Aiden Jones, sitting under a tree. Peace. It may have been Camelot for Jack and Jacqueline. But on the Che Guevara Highway, filling up with gasoline. Fidel Castro's brother spies a rich lady who's crying over the luxury's disappointment. So he walks over and he's trying to sympathise with her. But he thinks that he should warn her that the third world is just around the corner. Soviet Union, a scientist is blinded by the resumption of nuclear testing and he is reminded that Dr. Robert Oppenheimer's optimism fell at the first hurdle. only noise I hear is the sound of someone stacking chairs and mopping up spilled beer and someone asking questions and basking in the light of the 15 fame-filled minutes of the fanzine writer. Mixing pop and politics he asks me what the use is I offer him embarrassment and my usual excuses While looking down the corridor Out to where the van is waiting I'm looking for the great leap forward The 
sales are organised and pamphlets have been posted. Even after closing time, there's still parties to be hosted. You can be active with the activists or sleeping with the sleepers while you're waiting for the driver. Revolution and cut out the middle man. Right, 